Welcome to Stuttgart Harvest Church. I am glad that you're here today. We're in week number four of a five-part series called Family Schmamly. And this is something we have learned from one of our mentors, Andy, and it is so impacting us that we wanted to share it with you as accurately as possible because this is some powerful stuff that we're learning through this series. And today is no exception. In fact, today you might want to buckle your movie theater seatbelt so you don't get ejected out of your chair or you fall out of your chair because today is pretty rough and because we're talking about family and we know that that word family is an emotionally charged word because there are feelings and emotions that come up with family when you start talking about your mother father your sister your brother your aunts your uncles your grandparents your cousins there are emotions sometimes uh, that revolve around some of those words and we know that which is really why we're doing this series but sometimes it can get to the point with a family member with you and a parent or you and a sibling or you and a grandparent or an aunt or an uncle it can get to the point where you just simply say hey listen I don't care anymore I just don't care I don't care about that they can do what they're gonna do they can say what they're gonna say I just don't care anymore when it comes to your mother, your father, your brother, your sister, your aunt, your uncle, your grandparent, there could be a relationship in there somewhere where you have said, I just don't care anymore. And what, here's why that's harmful. That's harmful because God has actually created you to care. He's created you to care. That's the way he's made you and designed you. And we can say that we don't care and we can even live like we don't care, but there seems to be some kind of invisible cord that's attached to our backs and we can walk down the I don't care highway and the journey towards I don't care but somehow eventually whether it's in your 20s or your 30s 40s or your 50s or beyond at some point you hit the end of that cord the I don't care cord and it jerks you backwards your feet go in the air and you land emotionally on your back because we were created to care. And suddenly at that moment when that happens, what we have said, I just don't care about them anymore. Suddenly when that happens, when we have lived that way, something changes. Because we find ourselves falling flat on our backs and we realize, I do care. I mean, suddenly all of this junk in your life begins to pop up in your life suddenly you have anxieties that you didn't have before suddenly you have these overwhelming thoughts that maybe you didn't have before suddenly you have habits that come into your life that help you cope with the fact that you're trying not to care and maybe you drink more or maybe you self-medicate more or maybe you eat more or sleep more or worry more and then you start looking at the people who are immediately around you in your life, those relationships, and you begin thinking that, well, maybe you're feeling that way because of them, or maybe they're the ones who are actually bothering you, your husband or your wife or your children or your parents, all because you thought you didn't care. And the people around you are wondering, what's going on? Why is this being directed towards me? But it turns out, you do care because you were created to care. Now, this seems to be really true with our parents. For some reason, 
it is super true with your fathers. Every little girl wants dad's time. Every little girl wants dad to be the hero. Every son wants dad's approval. And moms are very, very important, but it seems like when it comes to baggage in our lives, most often it seems that we have baggage with our dads. Now, maybe you've worked hard to move on, and maybe you've worked hard to not care, but it seems like eventually this comes up in our life that we want that approval from a parent because we were created to care. And eventually, sometime, some way, somewhere, we have to deal with it. And you may not have felt that approval as a child. Maybe as an adult, if you're an adult, as you're growing, maybe, maybe you have had the privilege of having an experience where you felt the approval from a parent, and you had some closure there. We were created to care, and today we are going to talk about you starting, or perhaps you continuing, reconciliation with a family member, with someone that at some point you have pointed to and you said, I just don't care anymore. Whether it's a brother, a sister, a father, a mother, an in-law, whoever it might be. Now today we're really specifically addressing this to Christ followers. Um, anyone here today, even if you're not a Christ follower, we would encourage you to do what we're talking about. But the reason that we are giving you of why you need to do what we're talking about today is strictly a Christ following reason. And so if you're not a Christ follower, you really don't have the same motivation that we're talking about today. It would still benefit you if you would do it. But if you're a Christ follower this morning, we have to do this. And we'll give you the reasons here in a moment. But the key reason is that God has created you to care. Now, for all of us, we're going to say this is a battle that is worth fighting for your life. Even if the other person refuses to reconcile with you, even if you are never going to be best friends again or never going to hang out again, it's still worth pursuing this. Even if it's a relationship that you don't need to be in again for safety for you, even if you don't need to be in that relationship, maybe it was an abusive relationship Maybe you have worked with a counselor and they have helped you set up some safe boundaries. We're not going to ask you to cross those, but this process of reconciliation would still be important. In terms of reconciliation, even if you don't win in this process, it's a battle that's worth fighting because it's going to be so good for you. So let's get into why we need to enter into this process the Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, we're going to kind of track through these verses this morning. We're going to start with verse 14. It says, for Christ's love compels us, and that's where we're starting. It's the love of Christ that compels us, not our love for him. And it's, it's, it's not really your love for anyone else in this moment. It's because Christ's love, his love for you and his love for me, that's what compels us. That's what Paul is saying. 
For Christ's love compels us, Paul says, because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. Now Paul restates this same concept in another way. He goes on in verse 15. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So here's what Paul is saying. He's saying because Jesus died for us, he died for you, he died for me, then we should choose. Because he died for us, we should choose to live our lives for him. That's what he's saying. Because when it came to Jesus, here's what he decided. He set aside his own personal desires. He set aside his own personal comfort. He set aside his own best interests. Push that aside. His possible preferred path away from extreme pain, excruciating uh, pain from torture and death. He set that aside. He set it all aside for himself. So he's saying, Paul is saying for us, when Jesus has a request from us, because he did that for us, he set aside his own way and chose another way because he did that for us. Paul is saying, when Jesus has a request for you, then we should take our personal desires of this is where I would rather go, Jesus, and we should set that aside and we should go with the plan Jesus has. That's what Paul is saying. All because he died for us. I'm no longer going to live for myself, Paul is saying, but I'm living for you because you died for us. Now, in verse 18, he continues this. All of this, Paul says, all of this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ. Now, the word reconciliation or reconcile, here's what it means. It means to bring two things into agreement. Things that are not agreeing things that are not compatible, things that are inconsistent to bring those into agreement. That's what reconcile means. Take two things that are not compatible and to do something to make them compatible. And here's what Paul is saying. You and me were incompatible with God. And through Christ, he says, we have been made compatible. Christ did not change God. He did something to make us compatible with God. That's what he's saying. Through Christ, God took every obstacle that was standing in our way between us and God, and he took that away. Jesus took that away, except, except the op obstacle of ourselves. See, he, we were not compatible with God. Christ took that away every obstacle except the obstacle of ourselves. This is interesting. Here's what happened. As we lived, we ran up a huge sin bill, an enormous bill that we owed and we ran up a huge bill because I wanted to be my own boss. I wanted to do things my way. I preferred this path, so I took it. This huge sin bill and we couldn't pay it. We could not pay that bill. And Jesus took that bill and Jesus paid it. And on that bill, he has written debt paid in full. And he set it down on the table 
Then he walked over and he unlocked the door. And then he sent you and me an invitation. He said, it's there for you. Just walk through the door and pick it up. It's yours. If you'll just walk through the door and pick it up. I've taken care of everything. I paid the bill. Just walk through the door and pick it up. See, Jesus took care of every obstacle that could have been in the way, except the obstacle of me and the obstacle of you, because we have to make a decision to walk through that door and to pick that up. We have to do, but he didn't take the obstacle of ourselves. We can choose to never walk through that door. But Jesus took away all the obstacles except the obstacle of ourselves. And if we'll just walk through that door and pick up that, he says we can be reconciled. Two things that were incompatible, I've done something to make it, make you compatible. So that's where we are. The only reason a person will not reconcile with God is if they choose to turn down his invitation. That's the only reason. If they, if they refuse to open, open the door, the only reason a person won't reconcile with Christ is if that person chooses not to. But there is absolutely no obstacle that stands in the way because Jesus took care of all of those. He did everything. He simply wants us to say yes. Now, just as God, in this scenario, God was the innocent party. He did not owe for the sin bill. We did. God was innocent. In fact, he was the one that was offended by whatever is on that sin bill. It offended him. It hurt him. And just as God was the innocent party, and we are the guilty party in that scenario, absolutely, God had every right to say, no, nah, I'm just going to write you off. Nope, nope, you hurt me. You offended me. I don't want to have anything to do with you. And, and anyone looking at God would say, yeah, you have every right to do that, God. Every right. He could say, no, you've hurt me. You've offended me. You stole from me, God could say. You embarrassed me. You were wrong. And God could say, I am right. And even though God could have said all of that, he did not say that. Even though he could have, he was the one who actually initiated this reconciliation process. He started it. He started it. He would have every reason to write me off, every reason to write you off. In fact, if we looked at the sin list, we would probably expect him to. But no, instead he said, I'm going to do everything I need to do to make reconciliation possible. Now, what Jesus did there with reconciliation, that is true for all of us too. You see, we came to God with our bad habits, and he reconciled us anyway. We came to God with active addictions, and he reconciled us anyway. We came to God with sexual sin and sex outside of marriage, and he reconciled us anyway. We came to God with selfishness, active, current, ongoing selfishness and jealousy and envy and greed, and God reconciled us anyway. We came to, to God 
loving money and worshiping relationships, and God reconciled us anyway. No matter what our past, no matter what was going on, God reconciled us. Now, this is amazing. We came to God just as we were, just as we were, active in sin, and he reconciled us anyway. And here's what Paul says. He goes on. Here's what the verse says next. And God gave us the ministry of reconciliation. He gave us the ministry of reconciliation, of telling people around us, telling people, hey, listen, listen, friends, no matter what you have done, you can be reconciled with God. No matter what your past, no matter what's on your sin list, you can be reconciled with God. We can say with assured, we just know this, no matter what addiction you have, no matter what habit you have, no matter what problem you have, you can be reconciled to God. We can say this, knowing, we can say you don't have to clean up your life before you go to God. You don't have to clean things up first before you go to God. We know this. You can go to Jesus just as you are right now, and you can be reconciled to God. He will accept you, his creation. He loves you. You can be reconciled to God right now, this very moment. And then at that point, God begins this lifelong process of cleaning out our closets and cleaning up our life after we come to him. See, that's the message of Christianity. And that's the message that Paul says, this is what you are charged with. You need to get this message of reconciliation to everybody around you. Now, Paul goes on in verse 19. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ. This is what he's saying. Now, this next part, we like this part when it's in our favor. Here's what we like not counting men's sins against them. We like this because God is saying to you and me, saying, I forgive you over and over and over again to us. He says over and over again, I forgive you. I forgive you again. I forgive you, not just once, but over and over. And he's not, not this is not just at the beginning we're forgiven throughout our whole lives. You're forgiven. I forgive you. You're forgiven over and over and over again. We like that. I forgive you. And we say, wow, wow, God, God, you love me even though you already knew about all this mess that I was kind of hiding in all those little closets in my life, and you still loved me. And God says, yes. In spite of all of those things that you have done, I love you. And that's a key phrase, a key phrase that God offers to us. He says, in spite of, in spite of all of this mess, God reconciled us. In spite of all of this junk, not, not because of, in spite of, in spite of that, God reconciled it all. And that's where we get hung up because honestly, we're the because of people. 
The reason I don't want to be reconciled to you is because of. The reason I don't want to be around you is because of. The reason I want to write you off and out of my life is because of. The reason I blocked you on Facebook is because of. The reason I told you to stop texting me is because of. The reason why I refuse to read your emails is because of. But God says, no, 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 no. The message of reconciliation is a message that says in spite of. And Paul doesn't let up. I know we're beginning to feel the pressure here. He doesn't stop. He says, and he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. Now, if you're a Christ follower, if you're a Christ follower, Paul is saying your life is to reflect the very way that you live your life is to reflect that message of reconciliation. Paul goes on, more pressure, verse 20. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. Another word for that is we are his representatives. We represent him with what we say and how we live with our very lives. We represent him. As though, Paul says, as though God were making his appeal through us. Now, some of you are saying, now, hang on, Harley. When I said I would be a Christ follower, I did not sign up for this. And some of you who are not yet Christ followers this morning, you may be saying, well, thanks for the information, because now I know I'm not going to follow Christ. If this is what is expected of me, I'm just going to skip out. But Paul is saying this because... Because God initiated, initiated with you. He did not wait on you. He, he, he started the process. He didn't wait on you to come begging him for forgiveness. He did not wait on you to ask. He initiated the process of reconciliation with you. And now he expects me and he expects you to live that out in our lives with the people around us. And we have no option. We have no option but to offer reconciliation to the people we don't want to reconcile with because we are his ambassadors. Now, here's what that looks like. Our message is this to the people around us in our lives. You can be reconciled to God in spite of your sin. You can actually be reconciled. The people you love, the people around, even, even the people that you don't love. Here's this message. You can be reconciled to God in spite of your sin. And so you can go to that brother or sister, that, that father, that mother, that aunt, that uncle, that grandparent, that, that person that you have written off. You can go to them. You can go to that, even that deadbeat. You can go to them and you can say, you can be reconciled to God in spite of what you have done. But here's what we're saying if we... If we've written them off, we're saying you can be reconciled to God in spite of what you have done, but you can't 
be reconciled to me because of what you've done. In other words, God might overlook what you've done, but listen, buddy, I've got some standards. And you've crossed the line. God might be able to forgive you, but I can't because of what you've done. You can reconcile with God, but because of what you've done, you will never reconcile with me. And I know some of you this morning, I know some of you have stories that if you were to share your story with us of the hell that that person put you through, and because of what they have done to you, that we would listen to that story and we would agree, we would sympathize with you, we would agree that yes, they have put you through hell and, and no, if anyone here gets a pass, you get a pass. You don't have to reconcile with that person because of what you've just told us. We agree you don't have to because that was horrible. We might agree with you, but here's what Paul is saying. He's saying, okay, you can give up on that relationship. You can give up on that relationship with that family member. You have permission to do it when your heavenly father gives up on you. That's when you can give up on them. And yes, yes, there, there are objections to this. And yes, there are so many issues going on with this. And it is true. There are. Absolutely. But here's the confusion with this whole thing of reconciliation. You see, reconciliation is not about solving the issues that you have with that person. Reconciliation is not about tying up all the loose ends that have been created because of what they did. Reconciliation is not about me getting you to agree with my perspective and how you have made me feel and getting you to agree that it was wrong. That's not reconciliation. All of those things are because of. And reconciliation is all about in spite of. We're going to try to continue this relationship in spite of all of that junk and all of that mess. And for most of us, as soon as we stop making excuses, then we are smart enough to kind of figure out what a next step should be. We're, we're smart enough to know that maybe we need to shoot them a text that says this or send them an, e an, an email or a, a kind word of some sort. We don't say, now before I go any further, I just need to get some things cleared up with you. Before we go any further, I, I just want to get this straight. No, moving forward is in spite of not getting them to agree with my point of view. Reconciliation is not clearing up the past. It's all about in spite of. And here's why. Because the Bible tells us, Paul tells us, 
while we were yet sinners. Some translations say, while we were in the midst of sinning, Christ died for us. And you know what? In spite of. In spite of. I know there's some objections. You might be saying, Harley, but if I go and reconcile with that family member, it's going to look like to them or to people around me, it's going to look like that I am condoning their lifestyle. I'm condoning their choices. I'm condoning them what they're doing. If another person accuses you of condoning a lifestyle because you reconciled with them, then all we can say is congratulations because you are even more like Jesus because he got accused of that all the time. For most people, though, that's not really, even if we say that for most of us, that's not really the issue. The issue is there's so much junk and mess revolved around all of this that it makes me uncomfortable. And so I would rather just hide behind this excuse and not make myself uncomfortable by having to reconcile. You see, God, God didn't show up on this earth as Jesus and go immediately to the temple and just hang out in the temple in a holy place for his whole life. No, he, he walked around on this earth with messy lives and messy relationships and all the junk that was there. And he got right in the middle of it. He walked into the mess of our lives. Now here's the promise. The promise is when we decide to reconcile, it may not work. I mean, they may not join in. They may reject you. Even if they don't. Even if they don't join in, even if they, they do reject you, that process of reconciliation will become the place in your life where God maybe does the most work in your life right now. In you. Even if they don't join in. In you, God may do that work in you because you go through the process. Even if that person never accepts your invitation to reconcile. Some of us this morning are uncomfortable because we know as, as we've been visiting, we know that there's been someone close to us telling us what, why don't you call her? Why, why don't you give your mom a call? Or why, why don't you contact your dad? Don't you think you should get in touch with them? Someone has been reinforcing what we're talking about today. And we know we have that person in our life. So the question is, who, who is the person in your life that maybe you have written off? You've written them out of your life. And our question to you is this, this morning, would you be willing to take at least, at least a baby step toward reconciliation? And you're not doing it for their sake. You're not even really doing it for your sake, although it'll be good for you. You're not doing it for your sake. You're doing it for Christ's sake. 
because Christ's love compels us. And it leaves us no other option for real. We've already said it. We know that you're smart enough to kind of figure out a next step of, you know, maybe what you need to do to begin this process. But what you need to do right now, this morning, is just simply decide if you'll say yes to what God is asking you to do. To say, yes, I will start taking some small steps of reconciliation. In just a moment, I'm going to ask you if you'll take that step with us. I'm not going to ask you to come up here. I'm not going to ask you to stand up. I'm not. I'm just simply in just a moment. I'm going to ask you, will you just raise your hand and say, there is someone in my life as we have been talking this morning, God clearly put a name, put a person in my mind. And I know I need to begin this process of reconciliation. And so in just a moment, I'm going to ask you, will you raise your hand and say, yeah, that's me. There is somebody. Now, we're not talking about you moving back into a dangerous relationship. No, uh, we know you have boundaries and you've worked with a counselor to set good, healthy, emotional, physical boundaries to keep you safe. We're just saying, is there that person that you've just gotten mad at, that you just got angry with them and you got tired of their mess and you said, I just don't care anymore. That's all we're talking about. And you may be the only one. I mean, they may not participate with you. That's, that's very possible. But in just a moment, would you just simply be willing to say, I admit I need to start this process. And I'm saying, yes, I, I will start ever so smallly. I will begin this process, this slow process of reconciliation, not because they deserve it. I'm not doing this because I'm going to try to get all of that past ironed out and straightened out. I'm doing this instead in spite of the fact, in spite of the fact that they may say no, in spite of the fact that this may never work. I'm not doing this because they finally understand how badly they've hurt me. I'm not doing this because they understand my side of things. I'm doing this because this is what I was created to do. This is what my Savior has called me to do. I'm going to ask the guys to turn the spotlight out just so I can see a little more clearly. The lights in the room are out. It's still dark. But here's my question. If there's anyone in your life that you need to reconcile with and you're willing to start, to do something to start that, I'm going to ask you, will you just simply raise your hand right now? And my hand is up as well. My hand is up too. And together we're just simply saying, yes, I'll start the process. I don't know how it's going to turn out, but I'll start. Will you put your hands down? That's amazing. That's amazing. 
we're smart enough to know how maybe just to begin a kind word, a, a text that just begins to open the door. We're going to pray for us right now as we close. And we're going to sing two songs to let God kind of work on our hearts and mend some of our hearts and some of the hurt that we have. Let's pray. God, we're asking you to give us wisdom. Give us the wisdom to know what to do first, because this is scary. Give us the wisdom to know what to do, and God, give us the courage then to do it. And when we want to give up, and when we want to quit, may we be compelled, Jesus, by what you did for us. And as your word tells us that we can be reconciled to you, God. That God, you made Jesus who was without sin, you made him to be sin for us. So that in him, in Jesus, we might become the righteousness of God. And God, now you've given us that message of reconciliation. May we do it in spite of what has happened. And may we quit saying that we will not because of what they've done. Jesus, may your life echo in ours as we slowly begin this process. We need your help. We need your wisdom. And Jesus, we need your courage. In the name of Jesus, our amazing Savior, we pray. Amen.